0: fellow nerds, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast. This is episode 62. We're recording it on September 2nd, 2020. That's Wednesday of the week. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, taking over the steering wheel two episodes in a row now. Woohoo! This week, we're going to pontificate about PC power, recap Gamescom 2020, and forecast the future of games shows. Joining me today is my usual co-host for the last two weeks now, John Swanson. John, how are you doing?
1: Good man. How are you?
0: I'm plugging right away. I'm refueled by some of those dots pretzels we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um AJ is still stuck in that forest. It's weird. I thought we were sending him all the instructions on how to get out, but maybe he got his wires crossed and took too many
1: people's advice at once. It happens. That master sword's hard to find man.
0: Yeah. Navigation is hard, you know? And yeah. plug, once you this get to is- it you need a certain amount of hearts or else you'll die. It's a yeah. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the lowdown. If you want to be a part of the conversation, or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach us at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. If you don't use Twitter, you can send us an email the old fashioned way to podcast at mostly And last but not least, we updated that website, mostly normalgamers.com. You can see my ugly mug grinning at you and read a little bit of my bio there, thanks to John's hard work.
1: Yeah, we still got a little bit more updating to go, but um, that'll be soon. Yeah. Hopefully.
0: John, I want to start out by asking, what have you been playing this week? Is there anything that's made it through the busyness of, you know, it sounded like a Life. busy week, so life's in the way it sounds like, but anything sure. get through the cracks?
1: Um, so I did end up getting the platinum on Ghost of Tsushima, which is awesome yeah and many congratulations that, to you woo oh thank you um and shout out to the dude who runs i'm gonna get it wrong but the guy who runs platinum trophies.org or whatever you know or playstation org. yeah the like, ultimate guide of all yeah guides that dude he shout he gave me a shout out on twitter which was pretty cool it made me feel good awesome and uh that dude has like 406 platinum trophies. Holy cow. I, don't even, I just can't even fathom that, man. Uh, but one cool thing, man, is usually when you get a platinum trophy, you know, uh, you just you get a platinum trophy and then whatever, you can play the game, whatever. Is it, nothing usually is set to happen within the game. Mm-hmm. But in Ghost, you get like a new set of armor. Oh, um, it's Yeah. And it's... I guess offhand, I can't remember if you get what the stats are of, of it or whatever. Actually, I think it's just a new skin for one of the existing sets of armor that you have. Uh, but it's really cool and distinctive. And I just thought that was really neat, like um, to reward you not only with a platinum trophy, but also with a skin. I think that's pretty cool. And I'm, I'm sure maybe it's not the first game to do it, but it's the first time I can recollect coming across that in a game. Yeah. Do you um, think, so that's cool. I know we talked maybe like a month
0: ago about the announcement that they were going to put a cooperative multiplayer element in the game. Do we yeah. know if you're taking your pre-existing gin into that or if you're creating a new character from scratch? It seemed like maybe you were creating characters in it.
1: Yeah, I think it's more the latter. And I don't know if you're, it's more telling the lore and stories outside of gin. I'm not sure if maybe some of your armor and stuff will carry over, but that was my idea right is like the badge of
0: ultimate badges of honor would be pulling in that platinum suit of armor that you unlocked into your character creator for that
1: oh for sure yeah it makes Um, me think
0: of in halo 3 i think there was a set of armor you could get to eventually where you had like a flaming skull setup and it was like so far out of reach for me or there was like a special ninja themed one anyways anytime i think of prestigious armor sets i go straight to halo 3
1: yeah, well, and I think Destiny does a lot of that stuff now too um, with their DLCs and stuff like in whatever the the raids or whatever you can, if you finish the raids, you can uh, unlock certain sets of armor. So I know it's not a, it, this is just the first time I've experienced it as, as like a badge of honor for a game, uh, for a platinum trophy. And the number of people that have gotten the platinum trophy on that game is actually pretty astounding. I think it's above 10%. Holy and God, it's not really high. Yeah. And it's not like a difficult platinum by any stretch, but it's not one of those games where you like it, it's time consuming. Let me put it that way. Like it's probably 40 plus hours to get a platinum. So I was just, it's a fantastic game though. So I don't, as I discussed last week, I don't, it doesn't really surprise me that people love it that much, but, um, and then I've been playing, uh, what is it? Ukulele and the impossible Lair? Mm-hmm. And so, Chris, I told you before we started recording that I wanted your take on this. And it's kind of funny. So I kind of ex- have explained it before. I think the game is like a Donkey Kong country style game where it's a 2D platformer and you're trying to save these bees from the villain whose name I can't recall off the top of my head. Uh, save the bees, John. You got to save the yeah. bees. But basically you start the game and you're, you start the game in the impossible layer. And if you can beat the impossible layer uh, with just Yuka and Laylee, um, then you can beat the game right from the get go. But as you uh, beat every chapter, you uh, rescue one of the bees and each bee is one more hit that you can take in the impossible layer. So, I've completed all the chapters. I've gotten 40 of 48 of the bees. So that means I can take 40 additional hits. Wow. And that's a lot of health. It's a lot, but let me say I've gone back to the impossible layer and I've gotten to like the second stage and have like zero interest in playing it anymore. (laughs) Like really, it's, yeah, for whatever reason, the impossible layer. So you the way it, and I'm sorry, it's slightly spoilers, but I don't know if it, anybody would even care. It's not really like a story driven game or anything. So if you do, maybe just don't listen for the next few minutes. But well, no, uh, hold
0: on. Before you get to that, I want to hear yeah. from the people who are like deeply entrenched in caring about the spoilers, <laughs> about ukulele and the impossible yeah. layer who haven't already beaten it. Like
1: that's a good point. I want to hear from that's that one point. of
0: one person who happens to listen to our podcast. Please, please email. Me. <laughs> good
1: point. Uh, but it, it's like, so you fight the like boss, the villain, and then you like hit him a few times and then he goes and sets up the next area for you to go across, which is like a 2D platformer that's an exceptionally challenging. And I guess the reason that I feel like I don't want to do it is because I don't feel like it's just challenging. I feel like it's uh, like unfair to a certain extent. Like, you know how like in a bloodboard game or like in bloodborne for instance, or dark souls, like you usually if you take a hit, like, you know, you fucked up, like it's your fault that that happened to you. This is like, it just seems like you're taking a lot of cheap shots. Mm. And so I'm just like, And I get frustrated, like overly frustrated. So then I'm just like, this is just making me angry and it's not fun anymore. Whereas like the rest of the game is really fun. Like I've played it for 13 hours and got 13 hours of enjoyment out of it. So I'm like, do I really need to like roll credits on this to feel like I've completed it? And I don't know that I do.
0: Yeah. I guess my question for you is like, do you feel like as you went through and collected like 40 out of 48, of these bees was the game ramping its challenge and difficulty up in like kind of a natural slope to get you to the point where you would feel like the impossible layer is now not impossible other than the fact that you have like a huge health pool or does it feel like a difficulty spike that kind of comes out of nowhere compared to the rest of the game?
1: It definitely, that's a good question. And it does like scale it from the beginning because similar to Donkey Kong country, it has like other collectibles that you can get. Like if you remember, In Donkey Kong, you can collect, I think it's Kong, K-O-N-G, like the letters. Of course. Um, And And in this, you can uh, uh, collect like five coins. And they're like in varying difficulties to get as the levels progress. And certainly it progresses as you go through and gets a difficulty, like gradually increases, right? But I would still say that gradual increase, compared so the last level level 20 or whatever compared to the impossible layer is like leaps and bounds more difficult than anything you approach in the actual game so i feel like it's and i they have to know that too so i don't know and i just don't like playing games where i'm just constantly frustrated you know what i mean yeah do you think they
0: put the impossible layer at the start and said like and i'm doing like air quotes right now like yeah like if you're ready and up to the challenge you can beat it or do you think they like legit put it up there and it's like for like really high level like people who would be streaming or like
1: doing speed runs of the game speed runs i I, I honestly think they the game was developed for speed running like it, it just seems to me like one of those games where it would get a lot of attention at a uh summer games done quick or an autumn games done quick like or awesome games done quick or whatever. Uh, and I feel like it's developed with that in mind because I'm certain that there are speed runs of people doing it with like no hits or low numbers of hits or whatever. Um, Even before getting into like
0: the, the speedrunners like optimizing, like I don't, I have not played this game, but like I always think when I think of speedrunners, I think of Castlevania symphony of the night where it's fastest to actually do the backwards facing dash move while you're. Oh, navigating anyway yeah
1: or they figure out a way to like I mean speedrunners are fascinating man I watched this uh I think Celeste is my favorite speedrunning game to watch and uh AJ and I went to the like Minnesota video game and music conference last fall or whatever before the rona hit and mm-hmm. uh uh watched this kid uh speedrun Celeste and then just the way that they figure out how to break the games to like their will is it's fascinates me and I'm sure someone's done that with this. It's just, I don't, not that I would ever go down the speedrunning route, but I just don't really have a desire to, I don't know, finish it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and it just seems like they developed it with that in mind rather than the, um, 2d platformer enthusiasts such as myself.
0: Yeah. But, that's something I always struggle with is, And I know we've talked a little bit about like games kind of that overstay their welcome. Do you feel like that contributed to it at all either? Like just had the game felt like, okay, like there's three fewer levels and now you're going into the final level of the impossible layer. Do you think that would have helped with the problem too?
1: Yeah, I think, I just don't think it needs to be this difficult and it also has to do slightly with like the restarting mechanism in these games like uh, for instance Celeste I know I bring it up all the time but if you ask me that game is a pinnacle of 2d platforming development like if you die in Celeste you literally just like respawn right where you left off like or right at the beginning of the level that you were on like the meat boy approach yeah yeah exactly and uh this doesn't do that like if you die it like you have to go start all over again. And it's not, I don't know. I just, and even Donkey Kong and the tropical freeze, like you, um, I don't remember exactly how the checkpointing system worked in that, but there was, uh, some sort of checkpointing that made it to where those challenges were more. Um, I feel like they were more skill-based and they were more fair to the player. Whereas this, like the reason you need to take 40 plus hits is because they know you're going to get hit a lot. And I feel like that's poor game development. You know what I mean? Like the player should be able to like navigate through with the skills that they've learned through the course of the 13 hours they've spent with your game, like in a reasonable amount of time to finish it in my opinion. And this is like, like I said earlier, leaps and bounds above that. So Mm-hmm. it's fine i might i probably i have this problem where every time i uh drop off a game like i did with bloodborne or dark souls like i inevitably am like why didn't i ever beat that why did i stop playing that i should go back and play it like it just and picks at you at the back of your mind yeah and it's just like a yeah it's like a potato bug or something but <laughs> anyway enough about that if uh any all out there have thoughts on it give me a holler and let me know what you think but what? Have, how about you, man? Have you finished moving in and started playing games again yet? Or are you still? Um, <laughs> no, and yes,
0: <laughs> I guess. Um, still, finally, like, still doing like the finalizing of unpacking and stuff. But, um, the game that's been <laughs> the thing that I'm most proud of is I I hit the leaderboards in Good Sudoku in the last week.
1: Finally, that's awesome, man. How do yeah. you? How does one do that?
0: So they have, um, three different daily puzzles every day. Um, one's called good one's called arcade. Um, and then one's just classic Sudoku. And so good and arcade use all of the mechanics that are there to like teach you the game and make it easier by like highlighting different things and letting you like cycle through, I'm going to highlight all of the ones on the board. I'm going to highlight all of the twos, so on and so forth. Um, and then classic Um, you can still use their auto note feature which just fills in all of the notes of like possible numbers for each blank square but you can't highlight anything outside of that Um, it still has note taking but it doesn't have any of the like overlays of like the good sudoku features is kind of how they talk about it and so i've hit top 250 in three different puzzles in the last week and so i definitely feel like i'm improving or the only other solution, the only other possibility is uh, somehow hundreds and hundreds of people have stopped playing this game in the last <laughs> seven days. Well, one. is it
1: developed? Is it developed in Unreal Engine or by Epic? Because that's certainly possible. <laughs>
0: it is not. Uh, I, I don't imagine. I, I that would be amazing if they were able to do that kind of two D <laughs> Unreal. I'm sure they can. Um, yeah. But it's just felt really cool to like notice that progress. And like, I never thought I would be in the top 250 of people doing any kind of Sudoku. Um, But it's a little bit like speed running where like now, now that I've seen that I can get in that top 250 range, I like try and pick out a time of day where I'm like caffeinated and like have had a good set, you know, set of food in my belly. And I like set the iPad up and just like focus on it pretty intensely for the puzzles, especially for the ones that I think I like have a shot at getting done quickly. Sure. Um, and it's been kind of goofy and cool, but it's been really fun, you know, pushing through, uh, and trying to get better at this really fun type of puzzle. Um, the only other game that I've played recently to any like amount of length of time, uh, is I'm still picking away at final fantasy seven remake. And I chose to take the stairs, um, which was a really really funny experience. Um, Yeah, I
1: heard that was the better experience. I think I took the elevator.
0: So I think we got to put like spoilers on for this a little bit, but like spoiler warning if you care about Shinra Tower and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, So what happens when you go up the elevator? Because in the stairs, like there's a lot of goofy character interactions and banter and it takes a long ass time and then Mm -hmm. there's no combat at all you just climb the stairs
1: oh really yeah yeah on the elevator i guess in that case i maybe i am glad i took the elevator because it does stop like because people are getting on the elevator so it stops occasionally on the floor on each floor or not each floor but on several floors and if i i could be wrong but if i remember correctly on each floor it stops there's some uh enemies that you have to take care of it's nothing challenging um but they are there
0: interesting yeah i the reason i took the stairs is i was like oh they have to be hiding treasure chests in the stairs and i don't think i found a single
1: chest yeah but i've heard the banter is better in the stairs it is
0: it definitely like you can tell that that is there because they know that the characters are gelled by that point and they have really great character dynamics in play. And so it's just really like them flexing, like, look at how fun these people are when they're hanging out with one another. Um, so that was really cool. And then I, you know, continued through kind of the, you know, I don't think there's very much combat at all in the first huge part of that. Um, and got to the point that I am now at the battle simulator. Um, which kind of felt like a, a natural pausing point to kind of decide. And maybe you can advise me on this, John of, do I just like keep plugging away at this, knowing that I think I need to move on to something else. So I'm not just talking about final fantasy seven remake for the rest of the year on the podcast, <laughs> or do I take the time to kind of do those combat challenges and get like, you know, you can see what the gear rewards are. I, you know, it looks like it's just a little bit of equipment here and there. Um, It's kind of something that weighs on me as a person who, um, likes to tick off all of the things on a checklist in a game.
1: Oh yeah. I don't, are the combat challenges like when you go back into that, like VR type sphere thing. Yep. Yeah. I didn't do any of those, man. I just plugged through. Yeah. I, I, with that game in particular, I did a lot of the side missions, like all of the ones that I approached, I still didn't. Do all of them apparently i miss, must have missed some but um to me that that game as i've said before kind of overstated its welcome um by the time i got to the end of it but i'm also not like number one final fantasy enthusiast either so um it is a fantastic game but in in my mind dude like you're you're not done yet <laughs> like you still have like not a long ways, but you're really close, but you, you have some, some hours left, like not a ton of hours, but like probably three to five, I would say. Okay. Um, so I, I would say, keep that in mind.
0: Chad Lee popped back up finally. And so I, I'm going to challenge him to get Leviathan cause I forgot to do that.
1: Um, oh yeah. I always got, I mean, I got the two, I got whatever, um, like Fat Chocobo get, and... Yeah, I got Fat Chocobo and then, yeah, yep. I didn't know you could get another one though. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, um, I'm um, i interested in doing that fight and um, I'll kind of see how I'm feeling. I also feel like it's good to do those battle simulators because it's kind of a game that I'm not like plugging away at constantly. So it's a good way to get like warmed up for when oh, the sure, yeah. are higher in the combat. But I finally broke down and like looked at wikis to see if there were like ways to optimize character builds and feel like an idiot for not using the magnify material with cure, which apparently just turns it into cure all for your party. Um, Oh yeah. Would have been (laughs) something that would have made the game probably a little easier. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I, I dig this game's combat system though. I think it, it, when it's flowing right. And like, there were a couple of times where I finally felt like I hit like a flow state with it, where you're like using the triggers to pull up. Like, I think it's R2 and L2 to pull up your, your extra characters who are not under player control and do their command menus. Like that
1: starts feeling really
0: good when you get into it.
1: Yeah. Um, Just kind of funny thing. I think about playing, trying to balance, like looking at wikis versus like playing a game is like time that you take to look at a wiki or try to optimize your game playing experience is time that you're taking away from playing the game that you like, presumably you could be playing the game. So you're making that choice, you know? So I almost always end up just playing in a suboptimal way for that reason, because I would rather play it and then look back and be like, Oh crap, I could have done that. (laughs) And I didn't then uh, read a wiki about how to play it. And then, you know, which takes away from the time that you have to play it, if that makes sense at all.
0: Yeah, for me, it's kind of this weird way of like extending the game, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I so I got really, really into looking at how to do character optimizations in a couple of the DS Dragon Quest games, because some of those I think Dragon Quest 7 specifically has a really intense. I know it's Dragon Quest 9, but Dragon Quest 9 and 7 have very intense like um class systems basically job systems and i got really into like looking up how to get the build that i wanted um because you had to like achieve certain sub goals in order to unlock certain other classes and things like that um and that is in a way like part of the play of the game with those for me um but this one in particular like it doesn't really look like there's much online about optimizing the way you play this game. um, Which felt really weird because it is, it is an RPG and those are kind of the games that I do that with. Um, but maybe the yeah. lesson is that I didn't need to look up that I could have done area of effect cure <laughs> and would have still gotten through the game just fine because I've gotten over 40 hours into the game and have been able to kind of push through.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great game, man. I would say, I mean, you're at kind of one of the best parts of the game i think the game that is the apex of the game to me um is that part right there and then the obviously the very end uh cinematics and credits are are pretty uh profound i think but um it's it's pretty great you're you're almost there yeah i
0: i made the mistake of sort of spoiling myself on a few things by like trying to look up gifts to put on Twitter or (laughs) doing some of the like looking stuff up in the wikis. So like, I know that I will see red 13 at some point in this game. And like red 13 was the coolest. I mean, everything in this game was the coolest when I was a little kid, but like red 13 was like one of the first really exciting moments of the game. Um, because the time frame of the actual final fantasy seven is so much shorter (laughs) than the length of time it takes to reach him. Um, and so Wait, isn't
1: red thirteen the dog, yeah,
0: Black, tiger,
1: okay. whatever, anyways, haven't you already done that?
0: No, um, so I have not seen him
1: yet, oh, shoot, maybe you do have a lot longer than I thought you did,
0: well, like they've like introduced every member of Shinra at this point, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to do a boss fight against all these motherfuckers, I bet, like uh, that's where my brain's yeah. at,
1: and I haven't fought a single one of them yet, so at least once for sure, okay,
0: well. <laughs> shit
1: (laughs) well yeah well with that in mind i would maybe encourage you to uh keep on the the beaten path rather than going down because my problem when i do that is like i end up getting myself getting tired of the game you know what i mean i'm just like like, i'm tired of playing this yeah and if you haven't come across red 13 because i think he's there i don't know i can't remember the timeline very well but i feel like you should have been there already but maybe not
0: cool well now my goal was to try and finish this game this weekend after you said that it was like five plus hours left and now i don't know maybe, if maybe that's all you, that's all you have i
1: we'll, don't know i can't we'll I, see
0: i'm still I enjoying it like i still it's still really really fun and i don't it's not that i don't want to be playing it all the time it's that i can't play it all the time because i want to do things with other people as well um anyways that's I- your problem Yes, I, I'm trying to keep a social life during a pandemic. And it's very stressful. <laughs> it's, <unfortunate. laughs> it's a bad choice. Um, speaking of bad choices, let's weigh in on some news. <laughs>
1: Hell yeah, let's do it. It's the news. Yeah, we actually got some news this week, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I want to start out with this story that I'm not qualified to talk about, but I think is probably the biggest deal that's popped off in the last week or so since we recorded, um, which is NVIDIA kind of unveiling its next gen graphics cards. Um, it was written by Will Judd at Digital Foundry, which is part of the Eurogamer network. Um, and those are the folks that I like recently have figured out have all of the technical knowledge on earth about the hardware and software that goes into making video games happen so i figured digital foundry the
1: right, yeah yeah man they're they're where it's at
0: they're the people to find out how bad your tv is
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> whether or not like you're if you need hdmi 2.1 in order to run your games at 120 frames?
0: Yes, uh, that's exactly where one might find that out. Exactly. <laughs> that and like occasionally on Polygon. But um, Will kind of wrote up this event that happened on September 1st, which was yesterday as of recording um, about the unveiling of the the 3000 series of RTX cards from NVIDIA. Um, just a quick recap, um, the kind of, Top of the line is the 3090, which has 24 gigabytes of GDDR6X. That's crazy. Memory. Um, And it has a three-slot flow-through cooler, um, which will keep the card 30 degrees Celsius cooler than the Titan RTX while delivering 50% more performance. It's priced at um, Mm $1,500, which my understanding is that is now out of the realm of what a PC gamer would ever consider buying
1: um i feel like when the 2080 came out last year it was around that same and i think the 2080 ti is probably 12 or 1300 but yeah i think it is priced at 1200
0: and the reason i know that is because coming in uh at the very baseline of this is the rtx 3070 which is i think coming out in october um, and it is priced at $500 and it gets better results than the 2080 TI, uh, according yeah. to NVIDIA itself, um, which just, I feel like a bunch of people got very sad who, if anyone on earth just bought a 2080 TI, um, I think there's a yeah. lot of broken hearts and broken wallets. Well, you
1: can still mine Bitcoin with them, so you got that going for you. <laughs> I didn't even know if people still did that, but I guess you have to imagine. I don't know if they do either, but I I have that Robinhood app, and you know, people were speculating that Bitcoin was gonna crash like two years ago, and that shit's still going up, man. So, is it
0: still somebody's doing?
1: It is. It's nuts, dude. I'm telling you, it's gonna be the end of the world. So there's something going on with like. Bitcoin in the dark web because the only place you can use Bitcoin is like the dark web. So, and it's, I don't know, just the, we're near the collapse. I think we all know that anyway. So, yeah, I'm not telling you anything new. So, um, <laughs> the third card they revealed is kind of like the one in between uh, is the
0: 3080. And I want to pull straight from his article, from Will's article on Digital Foundry for the details on this. So, the RTX 3080 takes the place of the RTX 2080. And RTX 2080 Super as the high-end card that enthusiasts might actually buy. Um, it's priced yeah. at seven hundred dollars, and then he does the the different uh, pounds and euros. Um, lower than some rumors suggested, it uses GDDR6X memory rated at nineteen gigabits per second, and NVIDIA claims it performs up to twice as fast as the outgoing 2080 Ti, a twelve hundred dollar card faster ray tracing performance means it can hit 4k 60 fps on most titles with ray tracing enabled although it's not clear whether the performance boosting d l s s enabled also whether that's with performance boosting d l s s enabled also it is out literally in two weeks on september 17th i don't know enough about the technical details of PS5 and Xbox Series X right now to feel this out, but my impression was it seems like just from the way that a bunch of Sony first-party titles, specifically Spider-Man and Ratchet and Clank, and I think um, Demon Souls was also kind of pushed this way of saying that it will have a 60 FPS performance mode, but most of them are targeting 4K30. Um, and my understanding is the series X is maybe shooting for more like the 4k 60 target for everything. I know halo was at 4k 60 when they unveiled it. Um, and occasionally aiming for 120 frames, like with the Ori update, or I know that they talked about the possibility of hitting 8k with that. Um, the big takeaway was that the 3090 is capable of 8k resolution, um, will support hdmi 2.1 out um and it is a monster card but it's also not consumer grade for like building a gaming pc um and so i guess hearing that kind of comparison do we feel like these cards are like immediately putting the next gen systems in checkmate in terms of like pc gaming is going to be at the front of the curve constantly again or what are you hearing here
1: well i i I don't think so because there's so much more that goes into it than just the graphics card in general. And I think the NVMe SSD that um, Sony has, and I think Xbox does also as well as their, their graphics cards are both I think made by AMD and they're both custom made. So they're not made for the consumer market outside of the production of these consoles. So they're made with a, specific thing in mind you know what i mean so i i mean pc gaming is always a step ahead i feel like so even within a year or two if these aren't the um you know like you said checkmate for consoles they're i mean if you have a one or two gigabyte nvme ssd in your pc and you buy a uh, rtx 3080 or 3090 yeah you're you're gaming better than a ps4 or ps5 or xbox series x there's no question about it like it so um it comes down to in my mind the games and stuff so uh i just it's interesting to me because it took forever the 1080 ti was like the pinnacle for so long and last year they released the 20 the 2000 series so i thought that was going to be like the next thing for a while and now already they're releasing the 3000 series so um which it's kind of funny to me man because people like complain about the cost of new consoles coming out being whether they're going to be 500 or 600 or 400 but if you get a 3070 which is you know the bottom line of this card that's $500 not to mention everything else that you have to buy in order to build a uh, PC. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, man. It's, it's cool. But, uh, as somebody who just, I bought a gaming laptop for fun and I just, I'm not a PC gamer. So it's pretty exciting if you're into it. But, um, I think I'll just always be mainly a console gamer. And I think that just comes down to personal preference, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I keep getting in the same, PC
0: versus console
1: preference argument with
0: my buddies from high school Uh, and it always ends with me being like agree to disagree I guess Um, yeah
1: I mean I'm not going to argue that it's probably better but there's also I mean I'm a huge fan of the PlayStation uh what like what do I want to say here uh exclusive games you know what I mean so I mean that's where it's at to me
0: Oh, so here's what I want to do for a point of comparison. So um, we have the RTX 3080 hands-on benchmarks from uh, Richard Ledbetter at Digital Foundry. Um, And I'm going to see if we can get it converted into teraflops so that we can compare it directly with what we're seeing from our friends at Sony and Microsoft, just to to answer this question that's going to bug me otherwise. Um, well,
1: and even I've, from what I've heard, again, I'm not the expert by any stretch of the imagination, but it, like teraflops or whatever can't really. It's not a. It's not a direct one-to-one moment. direct comparison. Yeah. I would. I guess it would be interesting to see a year from now when Digital Foundry does a comparison between, say, the 3080 and the Xbox Series X and the PS5, like where they stand with one another, because there will undoubtedly be a comparison and a third-party game that all games are all three systems run um yeah. and my guess is that the 3080 is gonna outperform both of those but uh it's kind of the stuff that you're talking about that puts it a little bit ahead like gaming 60k and or 60 frames at 4k uh that's gonna be a benchmark well, here yeah, in the with next few like, years so with full um ray tracing
0: enabled which i think is like the real yep. tipping point absolutely not knowing almost anything about any of this um, my understanding is that can really like push things over the edge in terms of the performance requirements
1: for sure you thought your fan was loud before
0: <laughs> oh my just gosh wait. just <laughs> our living rooms it'll here's the good news my game systems will finally be louder than the refrigerator that I hear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When I'm playing in my new apartment. Um, exactly. Yeah, so kind of excited for the wait and see approach to figuring out what's going to happen in terms of that arms race. But um, definitely feeling like if the thing that's going to get you the performance that's better than the game systems costs a hundred dollars more than the game systems just for the graphics card that I'm still sticking to playing on
1: consoles. Yeah, exactly, Um, exactly. Over the
0: weekend, we had opening night live for Gamescom and over the last, you know, over the weekend it was also Gamescom. Um, Jeff Keighley did a good job of promoting the heck out of it on Twitter. And I don't know that there was much that he tweeted about outside of what he was tweeting about that appeared in the show um we got a full seven minutes of ratchet and clank rift apart gameplay that was uninterrupted which i think is kind of the biggest highlight of it in terms of like things to dig into um i'm looking at a roundup from mike williams over at us gamer and the one thing that seemed like it was maybe a new announcement but i also haven't been keeping my ear to the ground about these things that much is a game called Unknown Nine
1: Awakening. Did you get a chance to check any of that out? I saw the yeah, I watched it live, I think, and I saw the cinematic trailer. It didn't re- it looks like I'm intrigued by it, but it didn't show enough to have really an opinion for myself anyway. Yeah. The
0: other things that I think were really interesting is this tease from BioWare of Dragon Age 4. Um, with a bunch of concept art and kind of doing that thing when there's nothing to show that EA likes to do yep. of having a bunch yeah, of people yeah, yeah. hype you up over their concept art. Um, exactly. I have not played the Dragon Age games, but they oh, are definitely man. on my list.
1: Origins, or was it Dragon Age Origins? Dragon Age? No, that's not it. Dragon Age Inquisition uh, was the third one. Yep. Is that it's... one was fantastic. I, I love that game. It
0: is on the ever growing pile of shame. But, um, I did take the time to re-watch the full Ratchet & Clank gameplay, Um, and this game's being touted pretty heavily as the game that's showing off what the new solid-state drive in the PlayStation can do um, with all of these rifts jumping you from level to level with zero loading times. Um, Was there anything that stood out in the gameplay video to you?
1: Um, For um ratchet and clank yeah not particularly uh it looked cool it just looked like a slightly longer version of what we had already seen i guess so yeah. it didn't really i mean it looks great i love ratchet and clank and i'm stoked for it but i didn't it didn't really blow me away um any more so than when we saw it on the ps5 Reveal. thing yeah
0: My, the thing that's on the top of my mind, and it's kind of a, it's just always going to be at the top of my mind is how much interactivity is happening, how much gameplay is happening in these portions where he's jumping through these portals from level to level and going through the rift. Um, I know it's like technically not loading, but there's the sequence at the end where he Jumps from place to place and is like rail grinding, and then grabs onto some sort of dragon, and yeah, like I, I've played that before, um, and you know, like it. The way people are hyping this up online is like it's like completely going to revolutionize games, and this is like what the future is, and it just reminds me a little bit of like a cut scene. Um, and I guess maybe it would be different if it was like something that I was playing. Like I think the moment, and I'm actually rewatching it right now as we speak, like the moment that stood out to me is like right towards the end where he lands on the pirate ship seeming level and they're yeah. zero loading and he's straight into combat, um, yep. after riding on the wyvern. But I just decided it was a wyvern. I don't know if it's a wyvern. Maybe it's a, dragon i know there's technical differences to all the real (laughs) nerds out there um but i think it's really impressive that they're able to jump from scene to scene that quickly i don't know that it would like tangibly impact the way i play a video game outside of the idea that maybe you have less time to catch your breath between firefights in the ratchet game
1: yeah which is i mean i'm all for lack of load screens. I get like the impossible dream, like I was the ukulele and the impossible layer rather not dream. Yeah. As you were saying, uh, the the load screens are super long on that. Um, and I just, I mean, the less time we have to sit and say a screen or look at our watch, like the more time we're like engaged with the game. So I'm all for it. Yeah. And I think
0: that's the, that's the challenge of showing off a game in a gameplay demo because They're not going to make mistakes. They're not going to die and get a game over screen unless it was like rehearsed to do that. But I think that's where the real benefit's going to come in of like we were just praising Celeste or Super Meat Boy where you make a mistake and you are immediately back in the action ready to try again. I think that's where 3D games that normally can't do that quick of a load to give you that opportunity to learn from that mistake in the moment might have gains to be made
1: yeah yeah i agree
0: oh my gosh could you imagine doing some sort of like huge level in ratchet and clank but instead of a checkpoint it just resets you at the beginning of the level and it's like now you have to start again and optimize it (laughs) (laughs) because i'm just thinking about like adapting that like live die repeat to steal a movie title um approach to level design that meat boy does yeah i I feel like there's like a lot of untapped potential in 3d games for that in terms of like at that pace i think i'm talking myself out of thinking that it's not a big deal
1: well i think like think about on say ratchet like if you accidentally jump off the side of the pirate ship that you're talking about i know exactly what time you're talking about in this demo or whatever that they showed us and imagine if like Right when you do that you they come up with some reason like say you fall through the rift say rather than falling off the edge of the ship and it just like respawns you like right exactly right back where you were rather than having to be like okay we're going to go through this load screen and then we're going to show you a tip on this load screen that you've seen a thousand times because we don't know how else to disguise the load screen. Like we're not necessarily going to have to deal with that anymore and I think that sounds pretty fantastic yeah
0: um before we move on anything else from gamescom jump out to you as like interesting or you know kind of catch your eye in terms of a game you want to check out
1: not even a little (laughs) unfortunately that was like a very damning (laughs) yeah i I mean i feel kind of bad but i like was pretty stoked about it and i i think we talked about it because we recorded like the day before or whatever and um i was hoping for some big news and there was literally nothing that we didn't already know was coming. So, um, I don't know, man, I guess I'm just not used to watching a game presentation for two hours and getting zero surprises that I'm stoked about. So. Yeah, I,
0: it's kind of like that bummer vibe that I feel like I've a little bit taken out of both events granted i watched like a recap of the ps5 event um but as a person who didn't click with horizon like i think horizon was a really big deal i know people thought miles morales as a reveal was a really big deal um neither of those like kick-started my heart in a way um like the only one that really really did it was the goop because it's from (laughs) the team that does all of the um god i'm drawing a blank Steamworld games um during the xbox presser the, oh like, yeah the one thing that it. like got my eyes to light up uh in a big way and so i don't know if it's just my heart is broken this year and it's impossible to get me to be excited about video games or if uh if it's falling flat on all fronts
1: yeah i i don't know i think it's hard i feel bad for them because i know they uh a lot of I know it's hard for every like people putting these things together and I'm not trying to like knock on Jeff Keely for doing it because I mean yeah you know, possible
0: lift of like yeah. effort
1: to get that together. So and he even set the expectations beforehand, but it just it doesn't matter. People like me are not necessarily expecting more. We're I think we're just used to it by now to see more than have surprises, things thrown at us that we're not anticipating. So, yeah, Um, and and two hours is a long time. And that's the problem with gaming being this
0: hype marketing cycle where if there's no surprises, we're disappointed. I'm sure like almost all of the games that were shown have like they're going to be great games for the most part. And like sometimes the marketing gets in the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Speaking of
0: marketing, though, um, Ubisoft announced that there's going to be another Ubisoft Forward next week on September 10th, um, which would be a week from Thursday. And simultaneously, somehow, it seems like anytime they announce one of these, they immediately have bad news uh, and put their foot all the way in their mouth. Um, But per Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, um, they seem to link Black Lives Matter to a to terrorism uh in uh opening video for their new mobile game tom clancy's elite squad uh, which came out last week on ios and android um in the opening video of the you know it's kind of like the opening cinematic setting the tone for the game um you have the terrorist organization umbra um and from the article it says Uh, In the game's introductory video, Umbra is portrayed as a faceless organization that wants to build a new world order. Umbra, which uses Raised Black Fist as its logo, is described as a group that attempts to stoke riots and undermine world leaders through social media. Um, The Raised Black Fist obviously being uh, Black Power and Black Lives Matter symbol. Um, On Twitter there was an update from Ubisoft on August 29th saying imagery that appears in the opening video sequence of Tom Clancy's elite squad featuring a quote raised fist unquote was insensitive and harmful in both its inclusion and how it was portrayed. We have listened and appreciate the players and the broader community who have pointed it out. And we apologize this raised fist imagery Will be removed in the next title update this Tuesday, September 1st on Android and ASAP on iOS. Mm Hmm. Ubisoft just cannot get through this year.
1: Yeah. I don't know, man. This is like a pretty obvious oversight, if you ask me. So it just seems like them trying to say like, oh, whoops, is... I don't know, man. It just seems blind, and I don't know how they thought they would get away with it, you know, or why they thought even tried. Like, it just seems really strange to me that they didn't think to draw the line between those two things. Yeah, and yeah, you are right. Like, they could they have like worse news coming?
0: Well, and in Jason's reporting, he talks about um, I think it's Mana is their internal messaging system, message board at Ubisoft, and just seeing a lot of messages from employees who are working there, like doing day-to-day stuff, just like very, very frustrated, angry, disappointed with this kind of constant failure. (laughs) And I don't want to like, it can't be understated. Like part of the problem here is the narrative of, this online organization that wants to build a new world order attempting to stoke riots and undermine world leaders through social media like even without the context of like black lives matter explicitly drawn to it like it definitely has ripped from the headlines vibes to it and i know there's always this conversation around Ubisoft saying like, oh, we don't, you know, our games aren't political. And it's like, you can't get more political than talking about online movements trying to overturn the government. That's literally something we deal with day to day in terms of foreign actors trying to change the way our election results turn out.
1: Yeah. I think when they say they're not political, I think they mean... Like not directly political, like to not directly in line with political parties or something like that. I'm I'm sure they have, there's a euphemism that they're using there that they can claim that they're apolitical, you know what I mean? But I think we all know that's inaccurate.
0: They're trying to paint themselves as like an undecided voter, apolitical, as opposed to like absent of politics.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly, but that,
0: anyways. Uh, other people who are better versed at arguing this point have pointed out that it's impossible to divorce politics from things like this. Yeah, uh, especially when you invoke things that recall literal news headlines.
1: Yeah, exactly. Thing, like, I mean, they're. All, most forms of art in one way shape or form are depiction of a time and place and politics are always part of any time and place so to say your game is apolitical especially when it's a ubisoft game they're so heavily story-based and uh you know of a time you know what i mean they're depicting a particular time most you know like watchdogs legion is literally takes place after Brexit. So um saying you're apolitical is just kind of silly to me. But yeah. Um yeah, I'm slightly looking forward to the Ubisoft board because it seems like hopefully they'll announce some cool stuff. Um since the last one we got Far Cry six, but
0: yeah, I don't want to lose the thread of um the rumor that's circulating about gods and monsters being re-revealed under a new title. Um, it's rumored to be called Immortals Phoenix Rising. Um, that's the Greek mythology themed game that looks like it takes a lot of cues from Breath of the Wild and definitely is inspired by that kind of art style. Um, so yeah, I don't
1: know why they got rid of the Gods of Monsters game. I liked that title. It is a little
0: generic, but it's a little generic in the way that it's way more straightforward and easier to remem- remember than Immortals Phoenix Rising, especially with the spelling of Phoenix with an F.
1: Um, yeah, they spelled it like Marcus Phoenix, I think. From oh, think Gears about that of War, not
0: Yeah, <laughs> they maybe that's why. Cog Chainsaw.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I hate that title, Immortals Phoenix. Writing, I just I don't understand why they changed it, but whatever. It's definitely I, way
0: a, more video gamey.
1: Oh, for sure, and I'm excited to see it. I mean, it does suck. The more, I mean, the more we see these companies publishers and developers do shitty things and with the vote with your wallet kind of mantra in mind like we pretty soon we won't be playing any video games you know what i mean yeah uh to quote
0: to misappropriate a quote that i won't be able to cite there is no ethical consumption under capitalism Um, yeah exactly (laughs) uh and the other news around a gaming showcase that's coming up uh, at the end of this month is going to be an online Tokyo Game Show 2020. Um, woo woo! We got word. Yeah, I'm actually really jazzed about this, just because I kind of felt the lack of Japanese developers outside of the Sony press conference in the last few. I I, I don't know if you felt yeah. the same way, John.
1: No, not. I mean, I didn't until you brought it up. Um, but now that you bring it up, I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. And even in the, uh, we had Ghostwire Tokyo, um, which is actually like, I, I mean, I don't even know if that's, that's Bethesda, isn't it? And Zenimax. So is it might be a subsidiary that's in, uh, Japan, but I'm not even sure. I can't think off the top of my head of a Japanese game that we've seen. So I'm pretty stoked. That game got me pretty excited.
0: I forgot about that. Here's the problem is I already knew about Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop. And those are like, I mean, Ghostwire might be a little bit too horror for me, but like Deathloop was definitely top of the mind of like games that I'm excited about. And so there wasn't like a newness to them. Um, Yeah. So pulling from an article from Matt Kim over at IGN, um, we have the news that Xbox will be at TGS um, but there will be no new next gen news, uh, to pull a quote from what's going to be shown by them. Um, they have a tweet that says they're going to be celebrating Japanese game creators and games. Um, they're going to have updates coming to flight simulator for PC. They're going to have Japanese mine create Minecraft community creativity, and they're showcasing the broadcast in Japanese only, but nice. no new next gen news. Um, And then further on in the story, they have the streaming schedule. So the dates of this are going to be September 24th, which is a Thursday through September 27th on that Sunday. Um, Day one, I would say um, there's excitement around Capcom, um, having said that they're going to be showing off more of Resident Evil Village, um, aka Resident Evil 8. And um, as you've shared in this story from Tom Ivan over at Video Games Chronicle, a new monster hunter game for a Nintendo switch, which will be revealed soon. So probably also going to be showing up at TGS.
1: Um, yeah. Dude, I, got, I I monster hunter. Can you imagine? I don't know. Have you played monster Hunter world? I know we've talked about this before, but
0: no, y'all were going to Sherpa me through my first experience uh, with
1: it. Dude. If it's on switch, like they already said that uh, I've was listening to, kind of funny games daily today and they were talking about um i think it was yesterday's episode but imran khan who i feel like has a lot of is pretty well tapped into the industry was saying how they decided it was pretty impossible to port monster hunter world over to uh switch but they wanted something because apparently Monster Hunter was my first game, Monster Hunter World. So I'm not familiar with the series prior to that. But apparently, on PSP and stuff, people would play it with one another, like on buses and stuff, in Japan. Yeah, Um, it was a
0: a super huge phenomenon of portable game systems that would play over local network, like local network connecting. Yeah, the PSP had that going. um, The versions on the DS were huge. Um, Right, I still have not played this series, but. it is something that like uh, as a person who followed one up really intensely, um, that was always something they talked about, about how culturally important this game is in Japan and how it's all about being local network connections on commuter trips and in the office and things like that.
1: So I'm all f- if they can like marry the idea of like the old school monster hunter, like monster Hunter generations and with the newer uh, monster hunter world. I'd be all for that, man. That sounds portable on Switch. Sign me up, man. Yeah, I
0: knowing that like a big part of the appeal of Monster Hunter World is that it is a gorgeous game on all accounts. Um the thing that would be the most exciting for me as a layperson as an outsider would be bringing in the ease of like the convenience factors that they built in and the accessibility and the kind of like, I know that there's like flies that you can follow out to your hunts, I think, or yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know any, I it's been a long time since I heard the coverage of the game, but I remember that there's all of these quality of life improvements that are brought in in world to make it accessible to newcomers. And if they just take, even if it looked like a 3ds game, and put those in I would be really intrigued to check it out
1: yeah I mean yeah I would be all for it I don't really care I mean I I like nice graphics just like anybody else but if it looks like a switch game or if it looks like say persona 4 golden but is like huge open world kind of like uh monster world is I'd be all for that man definitely so bring it on the last thing I wanted to cover about TGS and Microsoft since Microsoft's never been big in Japan, do you think the fact that their xCloud is coming and their networking infrastructure in Japan is so much bigger or so much better rather than ours here? Do you think that will give Microsoft not necessarily an edge, but maybe a chance at gaining some ground in Japan?
0: That's actually some like big brain thinking over there, John, and I I have not considered that until you just said it, kind of as you said earlier. And the thing that stands out to me about that statement is how big mobile gaming is in Japan right now. I know a lot of like regular console sales have declined over time, but people are apparently culturally shifting towards mobile gaming in a huge way Um, over probably the last decade plus. I know they had phone games way ahead of their time before we even had smartphones <laughs> in, in the world. Um, right. And so I think the idea of being able to play a hundred games on your phone by subscribing to XCloud and getting it over a five G network while you're commuting sounds like a really intriguing sales pitch. And I think it would just be a matter of curating that list so that it's appealing to, consumers in japan because i know they have different taste than some of the games that xbox usually aligns itself with
1: yeah yeah i don't i don't know i I think it should be interesting this generation man i'm i'm excited to see how it all works out man
0: yeah the (laughs) the last thing i want to say about this schedule is something that stood out to me is there's a couple of different devs and publishers with like two hour blocks blocked off on it and pub g corp what's just as Pubg on the dock has the very final time slot on the last day and it's for two hours do we think the game that player unknown isn't it like brendan green or something mm-hmm. stepped away from the development of battlegrounds to put together might be unveiled at tgs or do you think that's too soon
1: it's certainly possible man because like i mean two hours is a long time that's what i'm saying about PUBG to block off approximately two hours for PUBG corp yeah especially really to, to send the show off yeah that's a good point man yeah and then there's a lot of good stuff in there that i want to see konami too i know he's in there <laughs> oh my god if they made a 2d castlevania if they made a People would lose it.
0: Metroid Oh, don't even put me on this. Don't make me think this. This isn't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um but the PUBG thing's a good call. Kodomi's yeah. on there a couple of times. Anyway. Two
0: two hours of level five, that's got me excited. Yeah. It's gonna be good stuff at the end of the
1: month. For sure. Well, let's say you you and I answer a mostly normal questions and then get the hell out of here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we said we were gonna keep this one short, and here we are yeah. an hour
1: later. Exactly.
0: Uh. Uh, here's a mostly normal question for the week. Um, With the passing of Chadwick Boseman, may he rest in peace and power. Um, Is there a celebrity death that hit you hardest?
1: I'll be happy to go first. I think there's a couple for me, myself as someone who deals with depression on a daily basis. I think seeing passing such as uh, like uh, Robin Williams was really tough for me. Yeah. And then uh, Chris Cornell from Soundgarden and Audio Slave um, back in the day. I'm a huge. I was kind of raised on Soundgarden and grunge rock, like Pearl Jam and stuff like that. So just seeing people who you think have it made, and especially Robin Williams, like it, being a funny man, and uh, you just, in your mind you're like, oh, they just must be happy and they have everything they could ask for. And then their lives apparently, are I don't know, their depression, so untreated or undertreated or compounded with other factors that they feel compelled to end their lives. And it's really sad to see that man. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you got depression, go seek help, man. Don't be, uh, you know, self-conscious about it. You're one of tons of people out there that can help and support you. So reach out to somebody for sure.
0: Definitely, definitely seek out help. And I'm saying that as a person who works as a youth counselor and a crisis counselor. Yeah. Um, just because it feels important to mention, if we're going to talk about suicide on the podcast, um, help is available from the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, it is available 24 hours in English and Spanish. And that number is 1-800-273-8255. That's one 800 273 8255 for the national suicide prevention lifeline, please, please, please seek out help to continue our, our downer question um, Chadwick Boseman dying over the weekend um, really hit me hard um, just because I have seen firsthand how powerful his performance as t'challa and black panther is and how important and crucial his presence in those movies was to so many young black kids and that i've interacted with in the last two years um, and kids everywhere you know look up to that man in a lot, really huge way and so that was particularly hard for me to swallow but The one that sucker punched me and emotionally threw me off in a way that I totally would not have suspected um, was actually when Prince passed away. Oh yeah. Um, I had just, just, just started scratching the surface of trying to get into his earlier discography. Um, There was a really long stretch before he had died where it was really hard to access it on streaming. I think it was exclusive to title for a while um, and just, hard to find those albums anywhere, um, outside of just owning them. And so mm-hmm. I had finally figured out like ways to start listening to them and like within two or three months or six months of kind of digging into his discography, um, that news broke. And I just like had trouble focusing at work for the rest of the day and like broke down crying over it. Um, then you know, since then I've only grown to appreciate his music even more and like would call myself a Prince fan. And so that loss stings a lot.
1: Yeah. I can imagine, man, especially, uh, I know just being in Minnesota, we're pretty much surrounded by it. I was never into his music that much, but I uh, can certainly acknowledge the impact he's had on a lot of other people for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that,
0: there's it's our that depressing news our downer mind. outro <laughs> for sure um why don't you take us out of the show here john
1: will do happy to do it uh <laughs> thank you guys for listening to us this week again this is episode 63 i think man we're getting up there um we'll be back again next week hopefully uh aj can find his way out of the for us by then, we'll see. I, I hope know. he makes
0: it back to us for the infamous episode 69
1: in a month. Yeah, a for sure. We should definitely see about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hit us up in the meantime before you hear us all next week, you can find us on Twitter at MN Gamers Podcast. Email us at podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Again, you can visit the website at mostlynormalgamers.com. It's just recently updated as of like two hours ago fresh out of the oven yeah exactly what else oh you can follow me at uh johnny samsonite on the twitterverse and chris you are at VG Occasion, correct
0: yes hopefully an occasion that i'll get to partake in soon after this recording
1: for sure i'm excited to hear you finally beat final fantasy 7 and see how that went for you yeah i can't wait to meet that beautiful beautiful red dog cat exactly cat dog (laughs) cat cat dog man there (laughs) Cat dog. Um. <laughs> anyway, with that, we will see y'all next week. Take care. Bye. Bye, buddy.